And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. And we're back, back for another episode of Startup Hustle. Matt DeCourcy here to have another conversation I'm hoping helps your business grow. All right, so it's been a wacky world over these last few years. Everything was in person, then it wasn't. Nothing's want to be back in person. So how has that affected startup communities? Have they gone from online back to in person, from in person staying online? Who knows? We're going to figure it out today. Now, before I introduce today's guest, today's episode of Startup Hustle is powered by Fullscale.io. Hiring software developers is difficult, and Fullscale can help you build a software team quickly and affordably and has a platform to help you manage that team. Go to Fullscale.io to learn more. If you're not aware, that's my company, and we love talking to Startup Hustle listeners. really does only take about two minutes to fill out the form at Fullscale.io. We'll see if we can give you some help. Speaking of help... Who's going to help me with today's conversation? Adam Fulham. He is the founder and CEO of Startup Network Europe. You can go to startupnetwork.eu. There is a link for that in the show notes. Straight out of one of my favorite cities in the world, Dublin, Ireland. Adam, welcome to Startup Hustle. Matt, how are you? I'm doing well, man. I'm doing well. You know, I'd like to get our conversation started today with a little bit about your backstory. So let's, let's dive right in. Absolutely. Yeah. So my name is Adam, founder of Startup Network Europe, and we essentially set up right before COVID. So it was 2019. I had this dream to do events all over Europe and COVID hit and it really, really sucked everything for one year. But, you know, we have to adapt to our startups. So I said, okay, let's do webinars. And the webinars were amazing. We were getting one, two, three thousand people online sometimes. I was only one person. Um, but nowadays people want to meet face to face, uh, 100% and face to face is so much better. So, uh, we've been all across Europe, uh, in the past year or so, uh, doing events in Italy, Spain, even Ukraine. Uh, I was there a few weeks ago and, uh, it's, it's quite an adventure and you meet a lot of great people too. That's interesting. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about Ukraine. I have some questions with that. Now, you know, I think we'd be kind of crazy if we didn't share the dad joke I told you about startups in Ireland. Should I? Can I go ahead and do that? Go ahead. Go ahead. You already know the outcome, so let's not spoil it for the listeners. Yeah. But before we started recording, I, I said, you know, Adam, I've heard great things about the startup scene in Ireland. He said, oh, yeah? And I said, yeah, I heard everything's Dublin. And then we heard some crickets and a little bit of laughter. And I, I believe you that you shared an entrepreneur dad joke with me as well. And I'd like you to tell that. And by the way, if you like entrepreneur dad jokes, I post them on my Facebook reels and Instagram. Um, they're kind of a hit. Well, actually, Matt, you know what? We'll do something different. So um, you're from Kansas, right? Correct. All right. So I'm on ChatGPT right now. Tell me a joke about startups 
in <coughs> so I'm expecting something about the Wizard of Oz, but let's see what they why did the startup in Kansas fail? Because they couldn't find any venture capitalists who could spell Kansas correctly. All right, that's the first one. And Interesting. One, why did the startup founder in Kansas cross the road to pitch their idea to the only investor in town? So, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> oh my God. Probably goes on and on. Yeah, I think you I think that's a misconception. You know, I travel the world much like you do, and people are like, "Oh, you're from Kansas? Are you a farmer?" I'm like, "No, I live in a city, man. It's probably even bigger than the one we're in right now." But yeah, so, but but you know, with that, you mentioned startup scenes. Now, uh, my hometown of Kansas City actually punches above its weight when it comes to startups. We're not claiming to be Silicon Valley or anything like that. But we've got a very robust startup scene. And so much of that is fueled by the startup community that exists. Like I'm very in touch with what we're talking about. And, uh, and, you know, at the same time, I'm also conflicted with some of the things that go up in the startup scene. I think ecosystems are challenging. There's very interesting players in many of them. And there's a lot of great things in some markets. And then there's some things that I don't know, at least in my opinion, are a little misguided. Um, but, you know, when it comes to like online to in-person and all of that, I mean, what like let, let's start the conversation with like what what makes a good startup community, whether it's online or in, or in person? Yeah, so I actually um, if we speak about community, I think there's two things. Uh, number one is regular events. Not something every week or every month, but you got to bring together the local ecosystem once every two or three months. And this way, people start meeting each other two, three, four, five times. Uh, here in Ireland, um, I know quite a lot of people. I know what they do. They're friends, basically. Um, the other thing I believe is an online group. So in Ireland and also other countries, but we'll talk about Ireland. We have a WhatsApp group called Startup Network Ireland. And we've got 720 people in it. Most of them are startup founders and some investors too. And it's a great group. Um, I have to moderate it sometimes. You know, there's no no selling allowed, even from me. Um, no spam, nothing like that. But eventually the group becomes very self-policing. And it's just, it's mostly chitter chatter most of the time. But sometimes people, is, someone's in a crisis and they ask the group, hey, can anyone recommend an accountant? Can anyone recommend uh, someone in Revolut? Uh, somebody stole my Revolut. And what happens is uh, you get an answer within a few minutes instead of doing days and days of research. So I think the real power of community is uh, leveraging the knowledge of other people. Yeah, I agree. I think knowledge transfer is a, a powerful thing. I think entrepreneurs... Um, at all stages feel pretty committed to transferring the knowledge that they found. I have found, you know, when I was younger, I, I'm a lot more experienced now. I'm not necessarily old, but when I was less experienced, I always kind of, uh, I, I, you know, there was definitely more experienced and more accomplished entrepreneurs that often took time to, give me information, talk to me. Like these are busy people that didn't have to do any of this. And I remember at the time being younger and I'm kind of like, why do these people take an interest in me? Um, being the candid, straightforward person I am, I just started asking them. And will you remind me a lot of myself? Or I remember what it was like when I needed some advice, or I would really love to see people avoid the problems and mistakes that I went through. And, you know, I look back at that and, and now 
that I'm I, now that I have more experience, I feel like I commit, like I have a commitment to transferring that knowledge. I think it's a very powerful thing. I mean, obviously entrepreneurs didn't invent knowledge transfer. It's been going on for basically the history of history. And that's why we have history. But, you know, I think that that's an important element. Now, one of the things you mentioned with the community was that, um, hey, we try to limit the solicitation in some ways. I mean, obviously, we all want to move our business forward. I think one of the issues I have with a lot of in-person events, and and I've ruffled some feathers when I say this, is I feel like a show pony. When I get there, I feel like some of the the organizations that have the events, they're out there attracting sponsors by saying, hey, and you're going to get invited to our in-person events and the local startup and business leaders are going to be there and you might be able to sell your banking or whatever. And you, you get to some of these things and it's like, you're just there. It's like I said, it's like a show pony. It's like, let's prance the, let's dance and prance the founders around and see if we can get a bunch of banks that won't give anybody a loan anyway to come in and try to sell shit. And honestly, that's really, that's really lowered my desire to go to a lot of events when I feel like that. And I've, and, and I talked to so many of my peers that confirmed the exact same thing. So, I mean, do you, do you find that to be an issue like all, everywhere? Uh, so I had a, I had a job um, four years ago, I think, where I went to, let's say I went to 10 business events in Dublin and the first nine were, the first eight of them were quite bad. They were, um, you know, certain types of career coaches who just wanted to sell to you when you came to the actual event, um, multi-level marketing, people who wanted to rope you into some, some big scheme. Um, and yeah, very, very poor quality speakers. I, I even went to a Scientology meeting once by mistake. Um, wow. it wasn't, yeah, it was, it was a funny story. It was advertised as I think how to be more successful in your business life. And uh, I went and, uh, yeah, I started to notice some things like Dianetics. I think I saw that in South Park and I think I know that term. And anyway, I didn't know until after the meeting, oh, the, the, they were Scientologists. They just, they never mentioned it. So <laughs> I went to a lot of, busy, you know, these kind of events in, uh, in Dublin. And, um, I just realized there's not enough events where you have scale up founders, people who've been there, done that giving advice. Uh, people who are more successful, you know, than I am. I, I need to learn from those people. Um, so I just kind of came up with this method where I'm going to invite those people, get them in a panel, and that's a big factor. The other factor is limit the content to an hour. People, uh, you know, people don't want to spend their whole morning listening to uh, to content. Um, limit it to about an hour and have drinks, have networking. And uh, that formula works pretty well. And Sometimes, actually, in the recent weeks, I've done the same thing as you. I haven't gone to events just because, well, I'm busy today. Is it really worth my time? I could do this or that instead. So I, I feel you, man. Um, by the way, we were speaking of banks. Did you hear why the Irish startup founder went to the bank? He was interested in doubling his, his funding. <laughs> I love puns. Oh, you man. start you I started it but you kept it going. So yeah, we're we're headed in the right direction and the I don't know. That yeah. That was a good one though. Yeah. I I'm I'm I'm, I'm, I'm I've teamed up with yeah. ChatGPT too. So um but no, you're you're right. So you know, so here's the thing is like when you talk about 
some of these organizations and they do require sponsorship, I would pay money to go to a non like a, an event with just founders. And I've thought about uh, pulling these off myself, like doing the the non event event, you know, like only founders. And like the whole thing was like, it was like all about no, like no sponsors, no speakers, no bullshit, you know, like just because that's the thing that I, I think that I found that other founders and entrepreneurs wanted to be around each other. And sometimes the price of that is in fact, like the solicitations. Now you talk about speakers. Now um, I haven't accidentally walked into a room of Scientologists, but I have certainly gone to an with a, a panel of speakers that were giving and offering advice about entrepreneurship, having never been entrepreneurs themselves. I don't like that. You do not have my attention. I'm sorry. Oh, you are so right. Um, yeah. No. Um, so I'll tell you something. Uh, when I do events, okay, why do so? And I figured out a formula. So I've done some events in the past that have been substandard, but what I do is literally I go to Denmark, Copenhagen, and I look for 100 founders of successful companies with at least 20, 30, 40, 100 employees. And I just message 100 of these people and I play the numbers game. Normally, four or five of them say yes. And if any speakers of my events out there are listening, um, this is the thing. Most people will, only a minority of people will say yes, but you do have to have that standard uh, for people you invite in the first place. So What's happened with my events is I've had very few famous people speak at the events. They're normally local successful business people. It's better. They're not getting paid because they have a lot of you know followers They're get, um, on social media. They are there purely because they built a company with 20, 50, 100, 200 employees. Um, they normally don't speak at other events. They're not necessarily famous people. But because of that, the advice they give is just so you know to the ground. Uh, down to earth and based in reality, and uh, I'm a, I'm a big fan of just getting local speakers who who's no one, no one has ever heard of. Yeah, and you know, there. I mean, you're regardless of of who it is. I think it's easier to receive the message when it's coming from someone that has woken up at two a.m. and wondered if they're going broke, going crazy, or maybe if every decision they've made up to that point is wrong. Cause that's what being an entrepreneur is like. And you know, this is the viewpoint coming from a guy. I look, I dropped out of five colleges. I'm not going to, I didn't go to Harvard. I, you know, I, I dropped out of some of those schools because I had better business opportunities, but you know, I, I did one thing. I was in school and I, long enough to know that school often says, you go from A to B to C to D to E to F to G. It's never the way it works in entrepreneurship. It's like A to E and you couldn't get to B for some other reason. And then you had to skip C because you didn't have the funding to get C, but F feel, felt like it was pretty close. So we went ahead and jumped that down that in the timeline. Next thing you know, you're trying to put it all together and it just kind of looks like alphabet soup. So yeah. Now, you know, that said, I mean, there are definitely a lot of people that have a lot to offer for this, but if you're hosting a startup event in person or online, give some consideration to the delivery vessel in that regard. Like don't make your whole entire panel, not entrepreneurs for your entrepreneur discussion. So, you know, that, that comes up now, now with that though, like I will say that I think that startup communities that have in-person events, have groups online, stuff like that really seem to thrive. Um, 
I say that because I've kind of, as in form of an observer, I've joined a lot of different groups on Facebook and stuff like that. I'm just kind of, I'm, I'm a lurker, I guess we should say. I'm not necessarily in those cities and communities, so I don't try to pretend to be or get involved, but I was just kind of curious and went out and, and looked. And it did, there, there did seem to be a lot of alignment here in the U.S. at least with, you know, companies that had, or uh, 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 ecosystems that, that had like that kind of online community. And there was that, that interaction. Now, um, you know, the, the idea of community building we're not it's using the term tribes is frowned upon now, but Seth Godin wrote a book called tribes. So that's, that's why I'm going to use it. But he discusses and talks about some very powerful principles. And if you want to build a community, the idea is first, you, okay. So he actually uses the grateful dead, the band as, as an example, which I thought was very, very applicable. Cause I mean, people religiously follow that band all over the world. And if you ever knew it, deadhead, they were just as enamored, if not more, by what was going on outside the venue as what was going on inside the venue. That's why it was a powerful example. So you have what's up on the stage, and that's the main draw. But when you create a community of people that find as much or hopefully even more value interacting and being around and with each other as they do as what's on the main stage, you've created a really powerful thing. And that's what makes people go and move around. And I know that for the in-person events here in Kansas city, um, you know, that I know when I go, like there's one tomorrow, I'm going to go to it. Why? Cause I want to go see my peers and some of my friends that I know it'll be there. So yeah, there's a good, a good draw with that, but you know, there's a lot of yeah. being an entrepreneur. Sometimes it's just nice to chill and not yeah. even talk about business, talk about sports, but just right. with someone who's in the same position as you. I call it tears and beers. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a healthy thing to know that yeah. you can be around people that aren't going to look down on you if you get really drunk or if you cry or if you get really drunk and cry all about your business. So, um, you know, that, that can happen. Now, if your business employs software developers, hiring them doesn't need to be difficult, especially when you visit fullscale.io, where you can build a software team quickly and affordably. Use the Fullscale platform to define your technical needs and then see what available developers, testers, and leaders are ready to join your team, fullscale.io, to learn more. If you want to learn more about what Adam does, uh, go to startupnetwork.eu. There is a link in the show notes for that. Now, Adam, as we proceed into the uh, into the second half of the show here, I need to tell you something that I don't think I've ever shared with the listeners here. Five million downloads, eleven hundred episodes later. Do you know that there is a De Courcy Castle in Ireland? There's actually two of them. Oh, really? I did yeah, not. One know. of them's really more like a tower that looks like it halfway fell over. And then there is a, a rather robust castle that is uh, that was built by John de Courcy, slightly different spelling, same lineage. Uh, my family apparently changed their name a little bit when they moved to the U.S. Uh, there was a time when having your name sound French was way better than having it be Irish here. So uh, a little bit of smoke and mirrors. But yeah, Sir John de Courcy, 1150 through 20 or through 1219. Yeah. So, or maybe, yeah, maybe I, you know, I, I have yet to make my trip over there. I do want to go check that out, but yeah, it's always been 
a fascination. So yeah, it's a, it's a, it, yeah. it's a real thing. Uh, my, uh, two of my uncles have been there and confirmed it's a real place. So it has to be right. Yeah. There's two John DeCourcy's on Wikipedia. So that's a good, good, um, you know, sign that he was of some significance. Once you get a Wikipedia page, you've made yeah, it. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, I have no idea who it is. When I look at the guy, it's uh, um, yeah. Who knows? Yeah. Very, very interesting. But yeah, I was, uh, I'm actually adopted, so I can't truly claim the Irish thing because I'm six foot four. But when I'm around my family, they look very Irish. They have red hair and freckles and, and they all went to Notre Dame University. And I mean, I, I latched on to that, but I'm pretty sure that genetically you're I'm, an not, I'm far too tall. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Although my daughter has red hair, so who knows? Maybe we're yeah, keeping the we're keeping the. I think in America, let's see, forty million people, so more than ten percent of people with red Irish, hair, but more than ten percent of people have Irish descent. Oh, yes. yeah. Well, then they probably have red hair too. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> maybe. Who knows? Yeah, I've always, I, yeah, I've gr grown up around that. I guess another uh, fun, the fun fact about me: I am the first male in my family to not go to Notre Dame University in three generations. So, yeah, I ruined that one too. But I think I turned out all right. So, okay, so we talked a little bit about in-person events, and you know, I think that we we went to them. Okay, I I, I have a love hate with them. You know, yeah. I think most people kind of do. Um, there's good ones and there's not. I think we shared a few things there's about that. There's a lot that. of bad ones, mostly bad ones. The what? Most of them are bad <laughs> for different Yeah, ways. yeah. And I don't want to pick pick on too many people because honestly, like I, I appreciate the attempt. I just like to share some of that. I think I think people I think I think of people that are organizing these things need to hear that a little bit. Like the solicitation thing. Like getting too many vendors in there, I understand why you need the money, but that does drive away some of your premium visitors too, because it just yeah it gets it gets a little tiresome. Now you know we've been talking about from online to in person, and 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 with that, so obviously the pandemic threw some curveballs with us. The neat thing about online is obviously it shrinks the size of the world. Um, like what what do you like when you talk about? Like, let's talk about, you mentioned webinars. Um, did you find that people quickly gained uh, some level of fatigue for that? Because I feel like we all got Zoom fatigue at some yeah, point. I can give you very anecdotal uh, uh, talk about Zoom. So October 2021, I did four webinars and they were getting... 2000 people each it was crazy i was one person at the time um it was great i had sponsors everything was really good if i did that same webinar now i would i would probably get two or three hundred people uh, with, with better marketing um i think webinars have declined probably 85 percent oh yeah um, people want to feel like they were in decline before the pandemic Oh, possibly. And then dependent. Yeah, because, well, some of it, you talk about a webinar and any online event, like it's challenged because in an in-person event, you can have 50 different interactions going on yeah. at any time. It's a little more, to, it's a little harder to kind of focus in or keep that orderly. Yeah. And there's a, there's a lot of people I could meet you in person and I, I know who you are, but I won't recognize you until you say who you are. And I've had that happen on so many occasions um, people I met online one-to-one, -one, maybe three or four times. So there is that lack of personal connection. And 
yeah, I, 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 it is easier to get 300 people physically somewhere nowadays than to get them online. And I think actually, I don't know if you use Zoom, but anytime someone tries to log into Zoom these days, um, first of all, Zoom says loading updates and then the updates don't happen. And it's just a bit awkward, but I think Zoom has probably taken the eye off the ball in terms of product because they just know, okay, we're, we've, we had our peak where we're, we are where we are now in terms of um, customers and it's never going to be like that again in terms of the, the metaverse as well, I think is failing because you're never going to have that many people online again um, in those big type of events, I think. Well, you know, when it comes to webinars and stuff like that, I mean, the, here's the thing. If you're thinking about doing stuff like that, you need to remember you're competing with the rest of the Internet's free content. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, so, cause that came up in marketing meetings enough that, you know, we had someone in the past like, Hey, we should do webinars. I was like, that's a great idea. Like five years ago. And they said, well, why not? I said, cause it, cause people are really busy. Like the people we want to reach like C-suite kind of people, like it's hard to pin them down and be like, you've got to be there only at 11 to 12 on a Thursday morning you know, and like the amount of marketing that goes into that and everything. And, you know, for me, I'm just kind of an open source kind of guy. Obviously the podcast is free. Like why not just put some of it out there? So now that said, there are a lot of people that do it effectively, but they have some kind of offering, some kind of content, some kind of speaker or something that you can't just go to YouTube and search. You know, so like, I mean, that's the thing you always, I think you always have to ask yourself whether it comes to marketing or events is like, well, what am I competing with? And you say, oh, well, I'm not competing with this. Well, I'll tell you what, right now in Kansas City, the weather is beautiful after a really shitty winter. Baseball started. I can go to a game for the major league team. My kids are both playing it. I've got 10 million other things. I can take the dog for a walk. This is, you're not just competing with the internet. You compete with other people's lives. So that had a lot to do with why we chose a podcast over everything else. Cause you know, Adam, I've actually prior to launching this podcast, have a history of of working as a consultant for other people building brands specifically on YouTube, which would have seemed like a natural choice for me too. That said, there's something with a podcast, and, and, and I'm getting to the I'm getting to the pearls of wisdom here, people. But with the podcast, you don't have, for an audio thing, you don't have to ask someone to give up as much stuff. What do I mean? When it's a YouTube video, like you got to watch that shit. You got to keep the app open mostly. And I mean, I get it. You can drop it in the tray, blah, blah, blah. But it's not the same experience. Now, most people listen to a podcast while they're exercising, doing chores or driving or commuting, you know, so you can, you can be someone's companion in that regard. So certain things like webinars or different stuff. And that's also like the beauty of like a chat board and some of the, the online communities that aren't maybe as sophisticated as video or groups or rooms because people apply, they reply when they reply. So keep that in mind. If you're trying to build a community, I mean, do you have anything you'd like to add onto that? No, I agree. Uh, I listen to podcasts when I'm in the gym uh, and on the bus going to and from the office. Mm -hmm. um, I actually find it if I'm alone in a room, I find it very hard to concentrate just on audio. So I watch videos then, yeah. but for, for podcasts, you don't have to give anything up then. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I feel I like music, but so, I mean, this might be, it might sound weird, but I feel like you listen to music. What are you learning? 
at least if you're in the gym and you're listening to a podcast, okay, you're, you're learning stuff at the same time. I learned stuff from, and uh, from myself when I listen to music, I've got, I've got, so I'm act, I mentioned the grateful dad earlier. I'm actually a jam band fan. Like I like a nice 20, I have ADD. So I like a nice 23 minute song with limited lyrics in it. And that gets me in a nice flow state and I get a lot of stuff done. It's like, I can, I can actually kind of get myself there, but I hear you on, on a lot of it. And so, you know, when the pandemic hit, uh, in that first couple months, so we were talking, that's three years ago, almost on the dot, right? So it was, you know, it, essentially uh, end of March of 2020, and then a lot of the lockdown stuff really hit in April. So in that six weeks after that, our podcast downloads, like, fell off a cliff. We went down like 20 to 25%, and I directly attribute that to the lack of people commuting. Yeah, you know, I was uh, I was actually in Italy at the time, so February. That was not a good place to be then. I'm sorry about to hear about that. Yeah, yeah. After China, like Italy was the second country to to lock yeah. down. But it was funny. I was actually on the news, so I, I I've been recorded saying this. Every person in Italy knew there's going to be lockdowns across the world. Everyone knew, and yeah. um, I don't know Ireland. All the other countries didn't close down until a few weeks later. So what a weird time. Especially yeah. in it, we had no idea this virus is it really dangerous. There were so many question marks. Well, you know, with that, and I know we picked a little bit on the vendors that come to the shows and whatever. That was a very turbulent time because there was a lot of people whose businesses really depend on that kind of personal interaction. Now, I will tell you, like as I mentioned, the love hate. What I do love is building my business. And I seem to come away from events. Now I go in with a different approach. I like to talk about that for a second, because I think the approach you have as an attendee or even like an event coordinator or a speaker, I think that that's really important. So I'm going to give you a couple tips or a couple things. I know you've got some gems too. So when I go to a, an event and I know there's going to be more than 20 people there, because about after you get about 20 people, more than 20 people, it becomes a completely different dynamic because especially if you know a bunch of people there. So I'm like a reporter. I have one of those little like handheld pads where you can flip the paper over and oh my God, I just, I, I will sit there and just write stuff down. I almost look like a journalist because if here's the thing, if, if it's a two hour event and you're going to, and you have 40 conversations in that, and that's another thing I try to to talk to as many people as I can. And I will even say, Hey, I've really enjoyed meeting you. I'm going to go meet some more people. I don't know. And everybody there gets that. That's not a rude way to break off the conversation. What you don't want to do is go there, find the one person, you know, and talk to them the whole time. So, but, but definitely the note taking thing, because what I found is why well, I did this, because I would go to an event and I'd meet a bunch of really awesome people and founders. And we'd be like, dude, we should do this. Let's talk about it. And we're like all hyped about it. And then we leave and we go back to being busy people. And then we go to the next event, like you mentioned, like three or four months later. And we're like, dude, that's still a really good idea. We should do that. And then you go, yeah. And that is just kind of on repeat. So I definitely, if I, like I said, now, if it's a smaller event with less than 20 people, I'm a little more relaxed with that. But like I said, I try to maximize, I keep the conversations straight into the point. Um, I'm not a big small talk person. 
Um, I'm there to meet people and talk to them. Uh, I do still like to like, I don't know if I see people I've already know, I'm not like, Hey, how's your recurring revenue? I'm like, Hey, how's your wife and kids? You know, that's, that's where I'll put that in. But yeah. And I take a lot of notes because I think that if I don't, I'm not going to, Hey, it's execution and action people. That's what matters. Not just talking about it. Yeah. And my big, big, big recommendation for startups for God's sake wear a t-shirt with your logo on it yeah. every event you go to exactly because you'll have 500 people maybe in the room i promise you nobody will be wearing a red t-shirt not black maybe but even red it could stand out more that way and um just with your logo on the front and the back and people will notice you and if you they see you at a few events they'll know that you're the guy for a startup network europe or startup hustle um, I think as well, Dude, well hang on on that note, I got to tell you, so I own somewhere between 40 and 50 pairs of gold sneakers, right? And I'm known like people know me, I wear gold shoes, like shiny ass robot looking gold shoes, like the shinier and louder, the better. And I have, and I don't just have one pair. I got a whole bunch of them, but that ha- that was a, that was on many levels a branding decision because, well, first off, people come up and talk to me all the time, like unsolicited. They're like, dude, I, uh, this is what I get. They're like, I love the shoes. Uh, also like, dude, I wish I was brave enough to wear those. And, you know, things along those lines, but they remember that. And that, like you said, that's kind of like a t-shirt with it. Cause I got full scale and startup hustle with that, but the gold shoe thing sticks. It stuck so much that I'm actually painted myself in a corner, Adam. Cause if I go to an event and I don't wear them, people are like, what are we chopped liver? Do we not matter? Like we're not even worth a pair of gold shoes. Sorry, but that's in that same vein. Yeah. Stick out, be rememberable, be memorable for the right reasons. Not, not necessarily the wrong ones. Yeah. Here in Dublin, we have, I think 70,000 Brazilians. So Really? Yeah, it's a it's a lot wow. of people. Uh, so wear a yellow wear a yellow Pele jersey. I exactly that's literally what I did. Um, you know, I'd go to a Brazilian club. I'd be the only Irish guy there, and yeah, you stand out and people make conversation with you, and they're lovely people, the Brazilians. Yeah. So sorry, I, I interjected. I didn't want to get past the memorable thing. What What are some of your other uh, gems? Other gems. Um, let me think. So. I go to a lot of events just with no uh, ROI in mind. I just want to go yeah. have a good time. But if you really want to go make your ROI, um, any of these big, big events where they have a networking app, uh, guys, nobody does it. Please just go on the networking app and message 100 or 200 people who are, I don't know, potential clients or people we want to talk to. Nobody does it. And it's such an effective way of actually... Um, you know, getting what you want from the event. Uh, so that's thing number one. Um, thing number two about these events is maybe go to the right ones. I mean, a lot of my events right now are, they're quite general, you know, the Denmark Startup Conference, the Irish Startup Conference, and where I'm going towards really is, um, you know, the FinTech Conference or the, the AI Conference, because it just means if you're an AI startup and you're looking for investment, go to an AI event. And it yeah. just means, you talk to 10 investors, all of them are potential investors. But if you go to a, another event, you might talk to 10 investors and none of them invest in what you do. So well, make if you're, you- yeah, if you're an AI startup and you're going to a meeting for agriculture technology, you might not find it. I got a couple other things. You talk about like being prepared. 
Um, you know, I, I'm not a big fan of the traditional business card the way I used to be. But I, now, for those of you listening, Adam and I, we're in a virtual studio. and We can see each other. I'm going to show you. That's the back of my phone. So I have a startup hustle sticker on the back of my phone that has a QR code right in the middle of it. Because people will be like, oh, dude, what's your podcast? And I, it's right there. So like, I, hey, t- you know, scan your phone on that. I also make I have these little two inch by two inch cards that say startup hustle and have a QR code on the back. Like I try to create things that like the business cards, one thing, but I feel like business cards end up in the trash. Um, and you and these cards that I mentioned too are well often. So that's why I said, I, I also have a pocket full of these stickers. So the startup hustle logos, I don't know. I think it's cool. It's evolved a little bit, but I used to have a dollar sign with, with headphones on it. And so it started a puzzle around it and, you know, but we wanted to create a little call to action in it. So that QR code just leads to a link tree kind of thing that that'll point you to the different things. Um, another thing too, as an author of three books, I will often bring, you know, I, I, I seems like a good place to give people your book. I'm not yeah. trying to sell them. I give, I give the fuckers away, man. I'm like, here you go. And I'll tell you why, Adam. Doesn't it feel weird to throw away a book? Yes. You kind of just like feel like you feel like an enemy of like progress in life if you throw away a book. Well, I realize that. So I oftentimes take the books and, you know, I put the little startup hustle card in it or some other things. And, you know, I give the book out to a few different people. And there's, um, you know, the reality is it costs me a, because I print them 5,000 at a time. It costs me like a dollar fifty to print a book. And the thing is, is that like, I just went, was on, I was on local TV recently and I had been on that TV show five years before my book was still in the green room, you know, like five years later, I was like, Whoa, I thought that was pretty neat. But here's the thing is like with the stickers, I see the startup hustle stickers all over people's laptops. And in fact, people come up to me at some of the events like, dude, do you have any more, do you have any more of those startup hustle stickers? Cause I got a new laptop. You know, and that's good. I think that's when you're, you know, make some cool shit, make some fun stuff. Like people don't need another pen, you know, unless it's a good pen. Give me a good pen. Give me like a good pen with a stylus on the back and like a mechanical pencil and something cool like that. Actually, you know what? uh, Right now I'm wearing um, one of my, they sponsor one of my events, Cytel. So that, you know, I'm wearing their socks right now. There you go. Yeah. Well, but dude, there's, okay. So I'm, I'm wearing a startup hustle t-shirt. So I have, I, I make my own shirts. I have startup, several different iterations of startup hustle, several of full scale. And then I actually have these cool shirts that I made. So one of our creative uh, team members at full scale is like an award-winning digital illustrator. So I had them illustrate all these things that ju- they, all these shirts just say founder across them. And they all, they all, tell the story of what it's like to be a founder. Like in one, the O is like a little bomb with the fuse lit. There's another one where there's a roller coaster. We have a male and a female version of that. Another one where the O is a fingerprint. You know, there's all these different things. And I print these things and I'll print a hundred of them and that's all we'll ever make. And I am a pain in the ass. I will only give them to founders. If you are not a founder, you have no shot. You're gonna have to come steal it. And good yeah, luck. Like, good luck. I it. might not let you, but, and with those though, I don't have my brand all over them. I'm okay with that on those, but they're soft, they're comfortable, they're cool and they're unique. And I see people wearing them all the time. And that's, that's good. They're still going to remember you. 
Yeah, and um, you know, uh, uh, that could cost as much as uh, ten pens, and it's better. Yeah. More cost, dude. Better. It's like five dollars. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, what's what's so? But you're in this now. Would I take those and just give them out hundreds at a time at five bucks a piece to anybody that was around? No, I I pick and choose who I give them to. There is no founder that isn't worth five dollars in my world. You know what I mean? So. You know, think about what that business is worth and what that can what that can end up, you know, doing for you. All right. So here we are. We're at the end of another episode, Start a Puzzle, which was once again brought to you by Fullscale.io. With me again today was Adam Fulham. Adam's the founder and CEO of Startup Network Europe. Go to startupnetwork.eu. They got a great website. You can learn more about what they're doing. Uh, you know. We've had listeners in 194 countries. So if you're, I don't know how often, if you're planning on an event in the U.S., that's great, but he's been all over. Um, you know, as, as I, I like to end my episode to start a puzzle with the founders freestyle and give the mic to my guests. I'll take it when you're done. Uh, and just kind of a quick recap on what we went through. It's your freestyle about anything you want to say is good with me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I guess number one piece of advice for anyone listening is um i there's uh i think it's better to read five or ten really really good books than a thousand average books so first book <laughs> i recommend is matt's of course uh oh thank you have you read it <laughs> no no but oh, there you uh, go all right <laughs> and um i'm trying to think uh one book i read recently which i really really like is from america the seven habits of highly effective people really oh, really yeah. good yeah Beautiful book, and it's all about take self-responsibility, actively try to blame yourself for all your problems, and you'll find out, oh, that that was my fault, most of those <laughs> things, but it means you can solve it. So it's most, great. Most of the time it is our own fault, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> Well, you know, th thanks for the plug on the book. I've actually written three books. I've got Million Dollar Bedroom, Balance Me, and The Realist Guide to a Successful Music Career. For If you're not aware, I worked in the music industry uh, before. I was a long time ago at this point, but it's a passion of mine. And I don't know, I, I just, I believe that bands are startup founders. So a couple of things here. One, I really want to come to a startup event in Ireland and I want to wear my gold shoes so I can make a bunch of end of the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. Um, kind of jokes. I feel like that those, and I also want to go to the DeCourcy Castle just because, um, yeah, one of them, like I said, one of them is, a I think the one that's in great disrepair, that's tiny, uh, it's still my goal to own either DeCourcy Castle, but that one might be the one that is a little more attainable because the other one's pretty fancy. But yeah, overall, <laughs> like here, here's the thing is, is whether it's online or in person, don't be afraid to ask other people for help. I will tell you that the more you ask people for help, the more help you will get. Some of the best advice I've ever received in that regard was what someone said to me. They said, what's easier, climbing the mountain alone or asking those on top to pull you up? Um, very profound wisdom there. Like I left that meeting. I was like, whoa, dude's right. And so after that, I spent a lot of time looking up and saying, Hey, can I get a hand? I think you're going to find that, that entrepreneurs really do love helping entrepreneurs. That's so much of the reason why we do this show, you know, yes, I'd love you to go to fullscale.io and maybe be a client, but listen to some of the things that are out that we're, that we're talking about here. Cause they're all meant for you. And that's like, I think that 
entrepreneurs have gone through a huge amount of pain getting to where they are and they love the idea of someone else not having to experience that. I think that that's very powerful. Now with that, the last real gem that I think I've got for you here is, look, if you ask, it is so much easier to get help from people when you make it easy for them to help you. And, you know, that, so when you go to your event or you go to anything and you see someone that you admire, someone you want to talk to and you say, Hey man, I'd really love to, I'd really love to continue this conversation. I'll come to you. Tell me where, when, and how long I've got and I'll make it happen. And that's an example of like, don't be like, Hey Adam, I'd love to meet you all the way across town so I can buy you coffee in a crowded place or have a hard time talking. No, make it easy for people to help you get more help. So, you know, overall, I think that's what the online and other communities are for. And then lastly, if you're a bad actor, get the fuck out of these rooms in these communities. No one wants you in there anyway. Police these things because, you know, like I, you know, we have the startup hustle chat group. There's like, I don't know, there's not a huge number. There's 3,400 people in there, but we have that thing on lockdown. Because I don't want you to have to get everyone else's spam and bullshit. So get that out. It, it doesn't work. No one's they paying are- attention. No one's paying attention to your shitty post about forex trading or binary options or whatever the frick you're trying to sell. No one cares. One percent of people just remove them. And yeah. The group yeah. Will be much better. Yeah. So be, you know you're being a good citizen in your community when you don't buy into that stuff. Cause I don't think that's what they're for. I did have one last thing, man. You mentioned the, um, you go in without trying to maximize your ROE or ROI. That's the right approach. Go in and try to get to know people, be solutions oriented. I, I will tell you my best question. I, what's the biggest problem you're trying to solve at your business? And that's a great question to ask people in these kind of settings. And they will tell you, and it maybe it's something you can help with, maybe it isn't. But if it is something you can help with, now you're on to something. So, yeah, I, I I went a little longer with that. Did you have any other comments on the way out? No, I, I think what you said is uh, it, it all makes sense. Um, yeah, in terms of police and groups, look, I'm all for free speech, but you cannot yeah. be absolutely free speech. I mean, free speech doesn't mean you get to ruin everyone else's time with your sales pitch. Exactly. Or sometimes it's it's more complicated than that. Sometimes it's people, they just don't understand rules. Um, I, I've been accused of, a lot, I've been accused of sexism, racism, just for implementing rules. I had this uh, guy, he, he, he didn't know I was Irish. He said I was being anti-Irish because we did a, an event called Dublin Startup Drinks. So you'll just get these people everywhere in America and Ireland, and they just have a problem with everything. And you remove them. 99% of people will be happy. Um, by the way, one, what do you call an Irish startup that's all about renewable energy? Oh, they're green innovators. The green innovators, good one. And what that's do you call where we're going to end the show. I'll see you down the road at the DeCourcy Castle when we have our startup hustle extravaganza there. Yeah, cheers. Thanks, Matt. Appreciate it. Startup Hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button, then come find us on Instagram. See you next time.
like we do it.